We're going to be in Jonah chapter 1 this morning. Um, I know we don't, we haven't done a lot of Old Testament, but we'll give it a go this morning. Uh, And this morning I've I've really got a message on my heart to, um, it's not part of a series, we're sort of in a a limbo week this week, uh, and so I really got this this message on my heart that's already been preached through what Dave said, through what... Renee has said um, it's been incredible the way God has been speaking to us and just really feel that he wants to encourage us this morning. He wants to encourage your heart. He wants to encourage my heart. And so uh, I'm really excited for what he wants to do. Although as I was just sitting down there worshipping and preparing to give an encouraging word, I got a real encouraging note from a young boy. It says, Dear Pastor Brad, Frio and Geelong Cats, the score was Frio 95 beat Cats 61. Good game. From Cedar. (laughs) He made me wear a Frio scarf. And then my little boy Harry came up and drew me a picture of him and Judah. It's just a whole lot of lines on a page, but because it's his, it's beautiful. It's a work of art. Oh, you you good? You got Jonah chapter one? All right, let's read. We're going to read the whole of Jonah chapter one, and then we're going to step through uh, some of some of what happens and um, see what see what God wants to say. All right, let's do it. Get on with it, Brad. The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai: Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it, because I've seen how wicked its people are. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. It's like an oxymoron. Anyway, he went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket and went on board, hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. But the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. Fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted to their gods for help and threw the cargo overboard to lighten the ship. But all this time, Jonah was sound asleep down in the hold. So the captain went down after him. How can you sleep at a time like this, he shouted. Get up and pray to your God. Maybe he will pay attention to us and spare our lives. Then the the crew cast lots to see which of them had offended the gods and caused a terrible storm. And when they did this, the lots identified Jonah as the culprit. Why has this awful storm come down on us, they demanded. Who are you? What is your line of work? What country are you from? What is your nationality? And Jonah answered, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven. Doesn't look like it, but I do. Who made the sea and the land. And the sailors were... I added that bit in. I haven't heard that bit before. Sorry. Um, Verse 10. The sailors were terrified when they heard this, for he had already told them he was running away from the Lord. Oh, why did you do that? They groaned. And since the storm was getting worse all the time, they asked him, what should we do to you to stop this storm? Throw me into the sea, Jonah said, and I will become calm again. I know that this terrible storm is all my fault. Instead, the sailors rode even harder to get the ship to land, but the stormy sea was too violent for them, and they couldn't make it. Then they cried out to the Lord, Jonah's God. Oh, Lord, they pleaded, don't make us die for this man's sins, and don't hold us responsible for his death. 
O Lord, you have sent this storm upon him for your own good reasons. Then the sailors picked up Jonah and threw him into the raging sea, and the storm stopped at once. The sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power, and they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. Now the Lord had arranged a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. Lord God, would you help us to hear your voice as we um, come around your word this morning? Would you help me to get out of the way and for your love and your grace to shine so brightly this morning? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This week we had the Watoto Children's Choir here. Who was here on Tuesday for the, the choir? It was great. The place was packed. Uh, a lot of energy. The kids were fantastic. Um, Alana and I made the mistake um, that day of holding the, the concert of the Watoto Children's Choir before our son Harrison as the, the punishment for his um, wrongdoings that day. If you don't do this, you won't get to go to the concert. And, um, and it was a mistake because there was no chance that we weren't going to take him because we had to be here. Um, we were hosting and had to organise a whole lot of stuff. And so every time he was doing something that he shouldn't be doing, um, which, I mean, he's, a, he's an angel. He doesn't do anything wrong. I know it's hard to believe that a pastor's kid could ever do anything wrong. Um, I never did anything wrong, did I, Mum? That's perfect. Yeah. Um, uh, we, we kept saying, all right, this is your last chance. If you don't do this, you don't go to the concert. And it got to a point where it was like, well, you just can't go to the concert. And we're just like, ah, oh, now what do we do? How do we backtrack? How do we get out of this? And so, I mean, we had to do, I mean, I'm sure parents have done this for ages and done gymnastics around their punishments and working out what, what they should actually do and the, parent, uh, the kids are none the wiser, or maybe they are, but, but I, it was just like every thing he did wrong was like another chance, another chance, because we just didn't want to not take him to the concert and we didn't and he came and he had a great time and there was plenty of other punishments um, for him. He's sleeping outside, he doesn't have shoes anymore, <laughs> he hasn't eaten in a week. No, I'm joking. <laughs> We took his ushies off him, his little Lion King ushies. Oh, my gosh. And that was heartbreaking for him. Trust me. Whew. You could take them off if you want. It won't be heartbreaking for me. Anyway, uh, the point of this uh, story is that, you know, we had to just keep giving Harry another chance, another chance, another chance, another chance, another chance. We can never take off him what we uh, promised to take off him and and, and in a similar way, God continues to give us another chance. Whenever we find ourselves in a place of sin, in a place of running from God or, or even obeying God or, or whatever, there's always another chance. God is always another chance. And, and what I want to harp on this morning, and you're going to hear me say this time and time again throughout this morning, with God, there is always another chance. With God, there is always another chance. And this, this morning is not a profound message by any stretch of the imagination, but it's a really a message that I feel God wants to speak to people here this morning. With God, there is always another chance. There is always another chance. So I want to see how, step through this story of Jonah, and we'll, we'll sort of step into chapters 2 and 3 a little bit as well. But at every, every turn in Jonah's life, and right from the beginning, we see a, a, a portion of grace given to Jonah. A portion of grace given. And, and it starts right in the beginning, where God chooses Jonah for a great purpose. This is the grace of God on Jonah's life. 
And this is the grace of God on our life as well. It says in verse 1, the Lord gave this message to Jonah. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and announce my judgment against it. So this is the great commission for Jonah. We've been talking about the great commission for the last few weeks. And this is it in Jonah's life. Go to Nineveh. I've got a message for Nineveh. And this is where we begin to see the grace of God in Jonah's life. He is chosen and he has a purpose. And in the same way, God, before you have even breathed a breath, before you were even conceived in the womb, God has chosen you and given you a purpose. He has chosen you and given you a purpose. His grace is on your life before you even have a life. You're chosen before you even start breathing. But then, of course, Jonah's reaction to this grace is not what we would do. It's not what you and I would do. We would go straight to Nineveh, get up on our box and shout at them and bring God's judgment upon them. But Jonah has other ideas. He says Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. Now, I mean, we just have to stop there and think about this statement for a minute. Stop to get away from the Lord. You can never get away from the Lord. The Lord's presence is everywhere. And so Jonah's just being silly here. And so he went to try to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving to Tarshish and he bought a ticket, got on board and hoped to escape the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. So Jonah hears God's option and he heads out the door. He heads in the opposite direction. He goes, you know what, God, I, I, I know that you've given me a purpose and I know that there's something for me to do, but I'm just not really feeling it. I'm maybe a bit scared or... Uh, I don't really feel like doing what you've called me to do. There's something else I'd rather do. And you know what? This speaks to me that there is God's way and then there is the opposite way. Every way that is not God's way is the opposite way. It doesn't matter if it's literally the opposite way or just something else. Everything that we do that is not God's plan for our life is the opposite of what God would have us do. There is God's way and there is the opposite way. There's not a way that's close to God's way. You don't sort of get God's way. You either get God's way or you're going the opposite direction. You're going God's way or you're not. You can't be close to following God. You're either following him or you're in the opposite direction. And it would always cost you not to follow God. I love how it cost Jonah a ticket to get away from God. It always costs something to, to not follow God. And it costs us far more than we could ever ever be willing to pay. The price is far too high to not follow God. We will always uh, find ourselves in a, in a worse situation if we do not follow God the way he wants us to. And so what happens? Jonah makes the first of many mistakes in his life that's recorded here. And what does, what does God do? He shows his grace to Jonah. He shows his grace through a storm. And you might think, well, this is not really gracious. But it is. God could have just easily gone, well, Jonah's not going to do it. I'll find someone else. I'll move on. So be it with Jonah. Good riddance. Go to Tarshish. Enjoy your life. I'll never talk to you again. Somehow, sometimes that's how we feel with our friends. When they wrong us, we're just like, well, good riddance. I'll never talk to you again. But God is not like one of our friends. God is gracious at every turn. And so God sends a great storm, a violent storm that says, and again, we see the grace of God, a storm. God intervenes. He pursues Jonah in whatever way he can to get Jonah's attention. And you know that God pursues us in any way he can to get our attention, through the good things and through the bad things. He's constantly trying to wake us up and get our attention. 
Jonah's asleep in the, in the belly of the boat and God sends a storm to wake him up. Sometimes in our life, we can face a storm, we can face something that's terrible. And God is, has a way of using that storm in our life to wake us up to his goodness, to his grace, to say, stop going this way, stop doing this thing, turn around and follow me. God will never give up. He'll use whatever means possible to get your attention. Whatever means possible. You'll never get to a place where God goes, well, I suppose he's got on too many boats. He's paid too many tickets. I'm, I'm out of storms. Got no other options. I guess he'll, he'll go to Tarshish. That's it. God never runs out of his patience. He never runs out of loving kindness. And we'll see this in, in chapter 4. He never runs out of his unfailing love. He is always gracious. And he will continually and constantly pursue you. And you might be in a place in your life, and I believe there are people here this morning that are like Jonah at this point in his life, where they're just doing everything to go a different way to what God would want them. And I would say to you that God's never going to give up pursuing you. He's never going to give up trying to get your attention. So you may as well give in now. You may as well turn around now, because he's not about to give up. He's not about to say, oh, well, I tried my best. He's going to get your attention one way or another, and he'll keep coming back. With God, there is always another chance. So then the storm comes, and so the, they come to this resolution. We've got, to, we've got to get something out of the boat. We've got to get something out of the boat. And the sailors are talking amongst themselves, trying to work out what it is. Maybe we'll get rid of our luggage. Maybe that's the problem. That the, boat, the boat's too heavy. It's going to sink. And they get rid of that, but that's not really the problem. Then they sort of... They end up discovering Jonah's the problem. Jonah's the, the represent, representation of sin in this boat's life, if you, if you will. And it wasn't until they got rid of Jonah that the storm calmed down. And I think, you know, for us, there are so many things in our life that we try to get rid of that we think, oh, that's, maybe that's the little sin that God wants me to get rid of. Maybe that's the, the thing that God wants, wants me to change. But there's that one thing that we know that's in the belly of the boat that's just like... It's settled in, and we're like, oh, if I can just try to clear everything else out, maybe God will be happy, maybe, maybe that'll fix all my problems, maybe that'll get me you know, some peace with God. But God's saying, no, you need to get rid of Jonah. You need to get rid of that root problem, that sin, that attitude, that thing that you're holding on to that you don't want to get rid of. You need to throw Jonah overboard. As soon as you throw him overboard, I'm going to bring peace into your life. What's the Jonah in your life? What's the thing that you're just like, you're reluctant to get rid of? You're reluctant to wake up. You're just content with it just being there because it's too hard to think about getting rid of. It's too hard to think about confronting. It's too hard to think about repenting of. We also see that at this point in Jonah's life, things are seriously wrong. The sin of Jonah is causing these men's lives to be at risk. And to me, this is profound that when someone runs in the opposite direction of where God would have them, it doesn't just affect them. When you run in the opposite direction of what God would have for you to do, it's bigger than you. It's far bigger than you. There are other people's lives at stake. There are other people's futures at stake. Your life has so much more than just you in it. 
Every decision you make, whether you run towards God or run away from God, affects those around you. Changes the lives of those around you, for good or for bad. And so don't for one minute think, oh, it's okay, I can sort of just be apathetic towards God, I can just sort of be half-hearted, I can sort of just do my own thing and not really follow God properly because it's just my life. No, no, no. It's far more than just your life. It's far more than just your life. So they throw Jonah overboard, throw him into the hurling sea, surely to die. And you know the story, you've heard it. I mean, Harry's been singing a song all weekend about Jonah. Jonah was a, a prophet. He can't say prophet. <laughs> or he didn't understand the word in the song. <laughs> Daddy, what's a prophet? I don't know, mate. Throw Jonah overboard, and then what happens? A, a great fish, a whale, a shark, who knows? The point is not what species of animal swallowed him up. The point was that a whale came and swallowed him up. A fish came and swallowed him up. This, again, is the grace of God. We see Jonah thrown into the sea, and, and if he isn't swallowed, he's going to die. Again, something so unusual, something so, if you weren't aware of it, you wouldn't think it was the grace of God, but it is the grace of God, comes and swallows Jonah whole. Some, um, what's important here, sorry, is the grace again shown by God by sending a whale. A storm doesn't look like grace, a whale eating you doesn't look like grace, but it is. Without it, Jonah is drowning, he's gone. And then in chapter 2, so Jonah's swallowed and he's in the belly for three days and three nights. And then in chapter 2, we see this, this prayer of repentance. It's like, I love this, that Jonah is in the belly of a, some sort of creature. And what's he, what's he going to do? What's else, what else can you do in the belly of a, of a whale? I mean, you can't watch Netflix. You can't check your Insta followers. You can't kick a footy. You can't learn martial arts. I mean, you just may as well pray. Like, I'm sure Jonah's come to this point in his life. He's thinking, well, this has to be of God because there is no way that I'm still alive in the belly of a whale if it's not God. And so he comes to a point of repentance and prayer. He comes to a point where he has to communicate with his creator. He can't avoid it anymore. He can't run any further. He's driven, or maybe he's sloshed to his knees. He can't escape God's presence anymore. He comes to realize in his prayer the depths of his sin, the desperate situation he's in. In Jonah 2, verse 5 and 6, I love this part of his prayer. He says, I sank beneath the waters, beneath the waves, and the waters closed over me. Seaweed wrapped itself around my head. I sank down to the very roots of the mountains. I was imprisoned in the earth, whose gates locked shut forever. But you, O oh Lord, my God, snatched me from the jaws of death. You might come to a point in your life where you think it's too far gone. The sin's too deeply entrenched. The pain's too deep. The, it's gone on for too long. Your heart's too cold. The damage is too severe. But this is the God we serve, that in the moment of 
sure death, in the moment of everything going terribly wrong, where it seems like there is literally no hope, God gives grace again. With God, there is always another chance. It doesn't matter what situation you find your life in right now. There is another chance with God. There is grace for you. He is looking for the heart of Jonah, one that will turn back to God. And he's looking for your heart, one that will turn back to him. And then what happens? In chapter 3, the grace of God comes to Jonah again. It comes again, verse 1. It says, The Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. Get up, go to the great city of Nineveh, and deliver the message I've given you. Isn't it amazing that God would still choose Jonah, knowing who Jonah is, what he's done, what he's likely to do? God's like, oh, we'll give it another shot. God comes to Jonah again. Your purpose is not diminished. You're not some sort of second-rate Christian now. You don't have less of a value or less of a purpose. You still have just as much purpose, just as much value. Just as much grace is upon your life. God still chooses and purposes Jonah for this great mission. Even though he's blown it so much. Even though the sin is so great in his life. Even though he's thrown it back in God's face time and again. God is speaking to us in the same way. Get up and go. Get up and go. Get up, I'm still calling you. You might have been going in the opposite direction. You might have blown it. You might have been drowning in sin, but I have a better plan. Get up and go. My grace is enough. You can go now. Then Jonah uh, seemingly obeys. Seemingly obeys. If you don't know chapter 4, you know that this is not, his heart's not really in it at this point. In verse 3 of Jonah 3, it says, This time Jonah obeyed the Lord's command and went to Nineveh, a city so large that it took three days to see it all. He's like, all right, I'll do it. All right. You might read this and go, like, oh, Jonah's on board with God now. He's like firing on all cylinders. And Jonah is not firing on all cylinders at all at this point. He does not like Nineveh. He does not like these people. He doesn't want to deliver the message. He doesn't want to obey, but he knows that if he doesn't obey... He'll probably, I mean, a whale swallowed him last time. What's, what's next? What could, I mean, how bad can it get? He doesn't want to think about how much worse it could get for him. So he doesn't want to obey God, but he does. He doesn't like the Nineveh people. He hates them, so this obedience is not driven by Jonah's desire to see them changed or even Jonah's desire to please God. It's driven out of fear, if nothing else, because he doesn't want what happened to happen to him again. I wonder how often we find ourselves obeying God reluctantly. Obeying God because, oh, it's better than the alternative. It's better than not obeying God because, I mean, I'm scared of my reputation. I'm scared of my spouse. I'm scared of my kids. I'm scared of the position in church I am. All the things that could drive us to just... Just keep serving God. Even though my heart's not really in it, I'm just going to make it look like I am because it's better than the alternative. Maybe because our parents taught us or told us. The obedience is there, but the heart isn't. I think for a lot of people, even here this morning, that's, that's where you're at. 
The obedience is there, but it's, it's reluctant. The heart's not there. So, yeah, I might look like I am, but if I could get out of it, I would. If I could get out of it unscathed, I would. And the grace comes to Jonah again. That even in Jonah's heartless obedience, God moves and saves all of Nineveh. I mean, you read the rest of chapter 3. Jonah's like, all right, deliver the message, delivers the message, runs out of town, doesn't want to see what happens. And Nineveh turns around, they like fall to their knees, they repent, they turn to God, and God doesn't judge them and kill them, he saves them, he loves them. God uses the reluctance, obedience of Jonah to win the hearts for him. He uses Jonah in his sin, with his lackluster efforts, to move in a city. God uses us even when we don't want to be used by him. God uses our obedience even when it's reluctant. He changes people's lives not because you're good at what you do, but because he is good. And because when we are obeying him, even when we don't feel like it, there is grace. So the encouragement through this is that keep obeying God, even if your heart's not in it. Sure, that's not the the best thing to do long term, but it's the right thing to do now. To obey even when your heart's not in it, because God will still use that to bless other people, to change other people. But God still has grace for Jonah. And then Jonah 4 verse 2. Jonah, he's complaining to the Lord about it. Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? That's why I went to Tarshish. I knew that you were a listen to his complaint against God. I knew that you were a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. You were eager to turn back from destroying people. This is why Jonah didn't want to go to Tarshish because he knew what God would do to the people at Tarshish. Uh, sorry, this is why Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh because he knew what people would do. He knew that they would turn to God, that God would change their hearts. And he didn't want the Nineveh people to turn back to God. He didn't like them. He didn't want them to find what he had. They were like his enemies. So he, like, if I don't go and announce my judgment, then they won't see what's going wrong with them and they'll keep in their sinful ways. But Jonah comes to this understanding and and he's always known it, that God is merciful, compassionate, slow to get angry, filled with unfailing love. Jonah knows this because he's experienced it, not just in the whale, not just in the storm, not just in the last little bit of his life, but throughout his whole life. He's known that this is the God he serves. This is the God he follows. What is going to help you in your time of trouble is not another threat, but another chance. And this is the God we serve. He is a God who is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry, filled with unfailing love. At every turn, there is the grace of God. Another chance. Another chance. And whatever turn you are in your life, there is another chance. I'm just going to invite the band to come back up. And my encouragement for you this morning is maybe you've been running, maybe you've been sulking, maybe you've been wishing you were dead, maybe you're reluctantly obeying, maybe you've been praying or you're full of fear. You haven't used all your chances. You haven't used all your chances. God is giving you another chance this morning.
Maybe even as we've been talking about the Great Commission, you've been thinking, ah, oh, I can't do it. I'm not the right person. I'm not in the right space. I can't do it. God's saying there's another chance. Go anyway. Get up and go. I've got enough grace for you. So as we stand and worship one last time, I'm going to invite you to come forward if this is you. You need another chance. You know where you're at. You know that you've been running the opposite direction. You're not where God wants you to be. Maybe this morning, this is your chance, your moment with God to turn back to Him, to have that prayer that Jonah had in chapter 2. God, I've got nothing else. Only you can save me. Let's stand and pray. Lord God, we thank you so much for your grace. Lord, we thank you that at every turn there is grace. At every point in our life, whether we realize it or not, your grace is upon us. And you are beckoning us back to you. You are calling us back into your kingdom, back into following you. And God, I thank you for each and every person in this room this morning that that you know by name, that you have chosen, that you have purposed. God, that you've given them another chance this morning, a chance to turn back to you. And God, I pray that you would change us in a way that our obedience is not just reluctant, but our heart is changed. God, we want to follow you. We want to serve you. We want to experience that mercy and compassion, the unfailing love. So God, would you change hearts this morning? Would you turn lives around for your glory and your purpose?